from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Preventing a tragedy. Wearing respiratory protection is, is one step. The steps you need to take if you're working in and around grain bins. What are South American farmers facing right now? We get the latest from Brazil as farmers near soybean harvest. Plus China's message to the world. We believe that an equitable international economic order must be preserved by all of us. The latest as world leaders gather in Switzerland making the case for trade and climate right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Happening right now, leaders are gathering in Davos, Switzerland for the World Economic Forum. The forum designed to bring the leaders of business, culture, and the political world together. Now, among those taking part, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Chinese Vice Premier Liu He, the two agreeing for a need to enhance communication about macroeconomic and financial issues. The Treasury Department reporting they had a candid, substantive, and constructive meeting in Zurich, adding that both sides agreed to enhance cooperation on climate finance on a bilateral and multilateral basis with the UN, Group 20 Economies, and APEC. Now, Liu He also addressing the forum, telling the world it must abandon its Cold War mentality. We believe that an equitable international economic order must be preserved by all of us. International division of labor, encouragement of competition, anti-monopoly, protection of property rights and IPRs, promoting entrepreneurship and free flow of production factors, fair distribution, ensuring macroeconomic stability and a strong social safety net are still economic principles that are relevant today. The theme of this year's forum is cooperation in a fragmented world. Liu also pushed for a global response when it comes to climate issues. And another focus at this year's Davos is climate and the role that renewable energy could play in the future. As Becky Anderson reports, that conversation kicked off at an energy conference in the United Arab Emirates. COP28 will be a milestone moment as the world conducts the first global stock take to assess progress against the goals of the Paris Agreement. We don't need to wait until the global stock take to know just how much work there is ahead of us. These leaders say they are working towards the same goal, limiting the Earth's warming to 1.5 degrees. But despite some progress at last year's COP27 in Egypt, the world is still not on track to meet those goals. Uh, John Kerry, let me bring you in at this point. You know, collectively, the NDCs are not on track to hold temperature rise at 1.5. Um, have we moved past that target at this point? Um, and what policies and measures is the US putting in place to increase your own ambition? Well, thank you, Becky. Um, theoretically, yes, we can. But there's nothing in the current activities of countries all around the world, mine included, that indicates that we are prepared to do what we need to do in order to meet the 1.5. Even if we went to zero, even if China went to zero, we don't solve the problem. Every country has to step up. And that's the virtue of the stock take. 
The United Nations chief, Antonio Guterres, addressed the assembly, emphatically outlining his solution, renewables, which he says are the only safeguard to our future and can ensure energy security. Today, he says, renewables account for about 30% of global electricity. Guterres says this must double to over 60% by 2030 and 90% by 2050. To make a renewable future a reality, it's critical developing nations have the resources and tools to transition. But where will the required investment come from? No government in the world has enough money to do what we need to do. We're talking about trillions. Who has the trillions? The private sector has the trillions. The message from this meeting then, renewables, whether wind, solar or hydro, are key to saving the planet. But unless private investment is ramped up and is universally accessible, it is the most vulnerable nations who will continue to suffer the most, no matter their own climate policies. We are very small economies, uh, but we are trying to actually do what we can to actually help uh, trying to fight climate change. And, and, and rightly so, I mean, uh, for the Pacific, climate change is an existential uh, threat to us. And we will do whatever we can to actually keep it 1.5 degrees Celsius. On the heels of that climate summit, shipping giant Maersk announcing it's accelerating its net zero emissions targets for the year 2040. Now it says its targets go beyond previous efforts, now covering all direct and indirect emissions across the entire business. By 2030, the company wants to see a 50% reduction per transported container and a 70% cut in emissions from its fully controlled terminals. The Journal of Commerce reporting Maersk will need about 6 million tons of green methanol per year to reach its 2030 goals for its ocean fleet. Green methanol is made from either biomass gasification or renewable energy. And dairy giant Danone also adjusting its emissions targets, the company aiming to cut methane emissions by 30% by the year 2030. Now, it's planning to launch new initiatives this year in Africa, Europe, and the U.S. Danone works with nearly 60,000 dairy farmers across 20 countries. Meanwhile, the International Energy Agency expecting global oil demand to reach a record high as China reopens following the latest round of COVID lockdowns. The agency saying the move could push crude oil prices higher in the second half of this year. And it says demand for crude could rise 1.9 million barrels a day, reaching an all-time high of 101.7 million barrels per day. Now, it says two wildcards dominate this year's oil market outlook, Russia and China, adding that oil supplies could tighten as Russian supply slows under the full impact of sanctions. Happening right now, a winter storm is continuing to impact the Central Plains and the Upper Midwest. Meteorologist Chuck Heber joins us with an update. Well, let's take a look at the updated root zone for you and look at California. Wow, all of that precipitation has totally changed the state. The center part of the country, though, still remains extremely dry and off to the east over in the Carolinas as well. But here's good news, off to the east and in the center part of the country, January 21st through the 28th, we're looking at above normal precipitation and thankfully, California gets a break. How about Crested Butte? Well, we've talked a lot about the snow and the rain in California, but check out Colorado. This is Crested Butte. The ski resort there is reporting it received seven inches of more 
and new snow in the past 24 hours. They say the town is totally buried. It's great for skiing though. I'm gonna have your full forecast coming up after the break. We're getting a better look at South American crops right now, courtesy of a crop tour being conducted by Ag Resource. Company officials touring Brazilian crops right now. On day one of the tour, they checked out areas in and around Sorricio in the state of Mato Grosso. That's in the central west region of Brazil. A company official reports nearly all producers in Mato Grosso now favor short season soybean varieties, which allows for the planting of safrina corn immediately after soybean harvest is completed. Stop one included a pod per plant average of 112. The lowest recorded number was 67 pods per plant, the highest 182. Many farmers there are expecting to harvest in the next 10 days. They say day two featured much better yield potential, but confirmation the state is struggling with diseases. That coupled with excessive cloudy days and regionally excessive rainfall continues to cap yield potential, but he says a record crop in Mato Grosso is certain. Markets ended Wednesday mostly lower, except for cattle with big losses in soybeans. Michelle Rook joins us next in analysis. And later, before you head out to check on your grain bin, some advice that could save your life. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Soybeans saw some profit-taking midweek after reaching more than a seven-month high in early trade. Agnes Michelle Rook has more in this morning's Markets Now. Wednesday's market closes were mostly lower except for a few cattle contracts. And Jim McCormick, agmarket.net, is joining us. And Jim, big pullback in both soybeans and meal. Was that just some profit-taking or were we removing some South American weather premium? Well, we had a pretty good move yesterday, so a little bit of money was being booked, I think, Michelle, on profit taking, but also the weather forecast, a little bit wetter for Argentina. They've obviously been dealing with a drought. Now, it's not a drought-busting type of rain, but it is the first step of starting to maybe change the atmosphere around and bring some water in, into the drier portions of the country. So I think that was an excuse to book some profits to take a little bit of weather premium out today. Yeah, plus we hit seven-month highs the previous day, obviously, so maybe a little bit overdue. Uh, for the setback, did we do any technical damage? We didn't do any technical damage on the close. Interesting enough, at least on the spot month March early in the session, we actually took out the previous day's highs and we were below the previous day's lows by about a penny. But late in the session, we did come off of that. So no major chart damage if you're bullish. But the fact that we weren't able to hold the highs from a strength overnight may be a little bit of a cautionary tale as we wrap up the week's trade in the next couple of days. Yeah. So corn pulled back as well. Did corn just follow soybeans or did we also hit some chart resistance in that market? A little bit of chart resistance, a little bit of following the, the soybeans as well. Now, what's different about the corn market, it sold off midday today, went right down to the 200-day moving average, and we did find some technical buying against that 200-day moving average. I think we need to be cautious if you're an end user and have corn, or excuse me, a producer, and you have corn in the bin, and you take out that 200-day late in the week, that would be a little bit of a negative chart pattern, I would argue. And corn maybe also got pulled back here by the wheat market, which kind of flipped late in the session on Wednesday. But uh, we do have some better rain chances in the forecast for HRW areas, don't we? 
Exactly. We got some more rain coming in, so maybe putting a little bit of weather premium out of the market. The other thing was we saw a pretty good surge yesterday on Putin out of Russia talking about how he was going to keep wheat in the country. The market, I think, misinterpreted. I think it's more politics. There's a lot of inflation around the world. I think Putin's talking down the inflationary portion of their cost for wheat. The reality is, Michelle, they've got a lot of wheat to sell, and they are selling it cheaper than us, and that that's going to be a limiting factor for uh, keeping the wheat market bull running. So uh, more than likely, we're going to see some downward pressure. Okay, thanks for joining us, Jim McCormick, agmarket.net, and we have more ag day coming up. To contact Jim McCormick at Ag Market, call 844-4-AG-MARKET or visit their website at www.agmarket.net. Just Chuck Heber joining us here, taking a look at our national forecast. And Chuck, we've got a pretty good stretch of warm weather to start January, but is that pattern going to change at all in the next week or two? Yeah, we actually have a chance for some cold air intrusion from our friends in Canada in the middle part of next week. Well, first of all, let's take a look at the jet stream. That'll give us an idea what we can expect in terms of the upper level energy. You can see this storm here on Thursday. That's what's bringing rain and snow to the upper Midwest. That pushes out and then things are relatively quiet. The United States is going to get a little bit of a breather here. And then this is that colder air that looks like it'll intrude down into the United States as the week moves along, especially later next week. So that could be our first shot of some pretty chilly air. Here's a precipitation forecast over the next 10 days. You can see the northeast in association with that storm pushing through, but again, relatively tranquil, so not a lot of showers and rain out on the west side of the country. Here we go with the future radar. We can see the showers moving off on the coast and then a batch of rain pushing through the Chicagoland area in the overnight hours and then a secondary batch pushing through the Midwest in the afternoon on Thursday. Then some lake enhancement off of Lake Michigan and the other Great Lakes. And then we have another storm down to the south brewing in the mountains of Arizona, yes, but Friday's looking pretty decent in terms of precipitation. Looks pretty tranquil, not bad. Temperatures today, 44 in Chicago, up in Bismarck, 23, and the warm spot looks like all the way down in Miami at 83. What about tonight? Okay, tonight let's go 14 in Omaha. It's going to be chilly, especially in the northern part of the country. 54 down in Brownsville, Texas. And for tomorrow afternoon, a little chillier up to the north, but still mild down to the south. Not looking too bad. Let's take a look closer to home. Springfield, Missouri, partly cloudy breezy, high 41, low 27. Let's go up to Chinook, Montana, partly sunny, 22 and 8. And Bowling Green, Kentucky, a high 62 and a low of 34. Two years of drought have severely depleted U.S. hay stocks. Daryl Peel of Oklahoma State University says December 1st hay stocks from USDA showed total stocks under 72 million tons. That's more than 16% below the previous 10-year average. It's also the lowest December 1st stocks on record dating back to 1973. Now he says each of the top 10 states for hay stocks were down. The largest hay stocks were found in Texas, but they are still 25% below the 10-year average for the state. Peel says decreased hay stocks means the cattle industry 
could face some additional liquidation this winter and leaves cattle particularly vulnerable to severe weather over the next couple of months. A morning cup of caffeinated coffee may help get humans going, but what about at-risk calves? Bovine technical services veterinarian Zach Jansen writing about it for drovers. Now he says more than 40 years ago it was discovered caffeine could be used to minimize the negative effects and risk of death due to apnea of prematurity in human infants. Now Jansen says it can be given to calves suffering from hypothermia or being run down from a stressful event. But how much should you give a calf? Now he says it is standard to administer a loading dose then a maintenance dose which can be 25 to 50% of the original for weeks or months. Now he adds commercial formulations specific to calves should provide the appropriate levels. For more on giving caffeine to calves, make sure to check it out over at Zach's story, which is on drovers.com. Still ahead, no matter the season, an accident in a grain bin can happen in a matter of seconds. Some advice that could save a life next in the country. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Flowing grain entrapments can happen year round. And as Ag Day's Michelle Rook reports, when they happen, the emergency response can make a huge difference in the outcome. Clinton, after the first of the year, we generally see more grain come to market, and as farmers pull that product out of storage, it can often present a huge and life-threatening hazard. Grain bin accidents can happen in a matter of seconds, either entrapping the victim to the point of becoming helpless or completely submerged in flowing grain and suffocating. So if, if you're unloading a 1,000 or 2,000 bushels an hour, which is pretty small, your body's about two bushels. So it only takes a few seconds to get in that flow and you're almost go to the floor and there's almost no escape. To prevent these types of accidents, ag safety experts warn farmers never to enter the bin when unloading equipment is running. And if you have to enter a dangerous bin situation, always use a rope and safety harness and farmers should never work alone. Purdue Ag Safety Specialist Bill Fields says in the event of a flowing grain entrapment, shut off all unloading equipment. Turn on the aeration blower to increase airflow through the bin to help the entrapped person breathe. And most importantly, call emergency rescue services. Don't try to rescue the victim yourself. And I think we see f all kinds of incidents on farms where the first call should have been to 911 to get help coming. Even if they get there and everything's been resolved, it's better than, than not having called them and find out later that the circumstance is out of control. So calling 911 is really important. He suggests preventing anyone from entering the scene until trained emergency personnel arrive. Fortunately, Field says thousands of first responders and fire departments across the country are trained for these type of rescues. Many of them now have grain rescue tubes. So they're equipped and at least mentally prepared to go out and help you if you have a problem in a bin. Field also advises farmers and first responders to stay alert to the respiratory dangers that can result from airborne molds when working around spoiled grain. He says moldy grain produces millions of tiny toxic spores that can be inhaled and cause serious illness, even hospitalization. He recommends farmers and first responders wear N95 masks when working around out-of-conditioned grain. Wearing respiratory protection is, is one step, and that is, is to protect your respiratory system from 
inhaling that, that toxic mold that can have a variety of um, uh, physical effects on you, and some of them are not very pleasant. Plus, he says anyone exposed to spoiled grain should decontaminate their clothing and shower to avoid exposing family members and living areas to mold. All right, thanks, Michelle, and that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. Closed captioning on Ag Day is brought to you by BASF. BASF, helping you do the biggest jobs on earth.